everyone, welcome to episode number 26 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates. And I have a confession. I almost didn't have a podcast for you guys this week. I, I shouldn't have to, I, well, I don't have to apologize because here we are. And uh, thankfully, my good friend Robert Lincoln was kind enough to be able to jump on. I had a very busy week of a lot of stuff I was juggling. And with the uncertainty of whether or not our gyms are going to reopen or not, I was kind of shoestringing it, stringing it on scheduling someone. But as it turns out, we're not reopened yet. So, uh, and Robert was free today. So it's one of my favorite people to get to talk to. And we've been intending on having him back uh, for a while now. So uh, welcome back, my friend. How have you been? I'm great, my man. Thank you for having me. So you and I have chatted a little bit here and there. We've both been busy. You definitely had some, you know, some changes in your world. But, um, you know, I wanted to, I had a bunch of stuff I actually did want to ask you about. But I suppose, first of all, you know, this has been a, a challenging year for a lot of people. And I don't want to jam too much on, oh, God, the pandemic and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, it, it was challenging for you because you are in California. And California, as we've heard in the news, is one of the places that has had the most stringent and enduring lockdowns of, of fitness facilities. So I guess one of the things we can go into there is how did you come out the other side of this, you know, strong going forward? And, and what did you have to deal with? Big pivot. Um, we we like love and hate that word all at the same time because we kept doing it. And that was like one of the token words, you know, we're all in this together. We got to pivot. We got, you know, all those key little phrases. Uh, but it, it's true. Like we um, we had seven shutdowns and restarts from March until November. And uh, in November was the the official, the seventh last one that we could maintain and the one that we're still in now. And basically after the sixth, my wife and I were like, look, if we get shut down again, that's gonna be it. We're not gonna be able to, we've, for nine months we'd been digging or seven months at the time, we'd been kind of digging a hole financially because we couldn't have people in. Uh, we were doing online training, but we could only, you know, we could only do so much. The majority of our clients are older adults and they, not all of them were digging going online with us. So we did the best we could, but for six, seven months, just digging, you know, going deeper and deeper. And we said, if we get shut down again, because so we had been reopened and we were allowed up to like five people in the studio. We normally have about eight. So we were like, all right, we can make it. And uh, then we got shut down and they said, yeah, it's going to be like three months. And that was it. So uh, we didn't really get a whole lot of support from our, our uh, landlord and um, we had to close the studio. So in the process while doing that we were like our other business training the older adult.com toa um, we were launching a studio here to record in and we thought well this is going to become home base now so let's make it a fully functional gym full studio and we had already had a business license in this space for about a year already i'd done a little bit of training out of here just for fun neighbors and such and everything else was online education so we uh, made a hundred, hundred percent commitment into this, and uh, we are about eighty percent business online, and the other twenty are clients that we see here in, in person, and other trainers that I mentor here in person uh, from neighboring neighboring gyms and cities. So it was a very challenging year, um, heartbreaking to close our our gym. I did it on my birthday, on my fortieth birthday. Uh, it was a we had to pull the trigger. I didn't want to wait any longer. Um, 
I had gotten sick. I had COVID. I had uh, I had issues. We had to get over with that. Um, we we had all this all of this down energy and all this shit. We were just like, how are we going to get out of this? And literally the next day, I got a full night of sleep and I felt great. And we had clients, you know, start signing up and I had new people in the area started signing up. We launched a new level of our TOA, a, a membership site that I've been wanting to do forever instead of just little individual webinars. It was a full like a monthly membership every week we meet, launched that. We got new people to sign up and it was just a breath of fresh air. I get to exercise every day now. I get to spend more time with my little my little ones and with my wife and I'm home almost all day and it's. It's been um, to say reinvented or reborn or rejuvenated. Like, I don't think I would have gotten here without it. So in a way, um, it was a it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautifully terrible thing <laughs> that we kind of went through, and uh, and we're here. And I'm you know, we're not making nearly as much of an income as we were before. I'm hoping that will come back. I think it will, but um, I'm really happy. I'm happy with what I'm doing. Uh, I'm ecstatic about it actually every day. Like I truly look forward to it. So sorry to keep rumbling on and on here, but I, it's been, um, and it's nice to talk about it. It's nice to share it because uh, things were so down and so dark for a little bit there to kind of get to where we are now. It feels really good. And, and when I get to share the story, I hear from a lot of other people that they go, I'm in a similar spot and I'm worried to make that decision or, you know, and I get it, you know, I just want to be able to be a voice for people and have uh, and, and an ear for people too to, to want to share their stories and discuss things like that and lend some advice as best I can, uh, having been there. But yeah, I don't know if there's anywhere that's been more um, business wise, maybe Los Angeles, that's really been restricted and just overseen uh, way above the abuse of real power. I mean, it just just a massive abuse of it, in my opinion. And um you know, we could talk about that too if you want. But well, I generally stay away from the political stuff, and I'll I will agree with this and that. We have seen differences in different jurisdictions. We are in a second, whatever lockdown sort of thing it is, and and while most everything else has been reopened, gyms seem to get lumped in with restaurants, which also get an unfair deal in with bars and other things that are, you know, parts of society don't seem to value as much as a part does. Another big part tends to look at it and say, well, that's a, you know, I think the mentality is that they look at the type of stereotypical superficial examples of, you know, I had a popular post on social media, the, the bros in Stringer Tees. Well, two things. One, those bros, I've got a lot of friends in that realm. They actually do this for their mental health more than you realize. And, and for the most part, there's bad examples, but there's a lot of really good people in that realm too. But two, and this is something I think our industry needs to do a lot better is showcase and humanize the people that are affected by this. Uh, you know, anyone who watches my social media sees Larry as a good example, right? Larry just trained with me. I literally just finished up with him in my basement gym and you know, Larry's going strong and keeping him healthy, uh, you know, for his physical and his mental health. And we have so many people, coaches and just our clientele and, and people who just are, are gym members that we, we see all the time who are really struggling right now. And okay, what's the answer? Well, we need to set a better example as an industry. One of the things I'm passionate about is helping our trainers, coaches, everybody 
grow media reach. You know, I, I, I'm tired of seeing people complain about what's wrong with our industry. Or, and I'm really tired of seeing coaches malign other aspects of our industry. Sure, you know, the waste trainer people, whatever, that stuff exists fine. But if we're always spending our time pointing fingers at the bad side of it, what, what do people hear? They, they're, they're kept aware of all the bad stuff. And I, and I want all of us to take very seriously being better individual examples, support your friends in the community and, and the people that you believe are doing a really amazing job. This podcast is one of my vehicles to do that. And if you're frustrated because someone else, quote, bad influencer type, is sharing bad information, well, what are you doing to grow reach and build brand and create media and content that inspires more people, gets more people to pay attention to you. And I put that into effect last year. And anybody who's been watching saw me take a following from under 3,000 in the space of a year. And just by the end of January, I'm almost at 12,000 followers. And guess what? That will continue and I will continue to grow it. And recently, and I, as much as I will be cheeky about quote business coaches in our realm, but at the same time, I'm trying not to you know spend too much time maligning them. I recently had a post where I shared a bunch of good examples of people I think are great mentors, but I've opened up a limited mentorship one-on-one -on -one basis for coaches who are interested in the things that I am particularly skilled at. And so when I just put it up at a couple of Instagram stories, I got a lot of interest. So if anyone is interested, you're more than welcome to mention, message me and ask questions. I'm going to cap it very, very soon. It'll, it'll be capped at 10 people. And then there won't be a lot of it on my media. I don't want to pivot full, fully into that. But back to my main point, we individually and collectively have a responsibility to get out there and compete with Jillian Michaels and the influencer types that frustrate you all. And if you're struggling with the skills of developing social media or other aspects of reaching more people, well, it's time we started working on that stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I like, you know, talking to you. And, I, and the thing I want to pivot into is, you know, you are, you are renowned in our space as the guy who is the person who trains older adults, right? You're the specialist in that realm. You're great at it. So trainers going forward have to start have to think a lot about what's financially viable for them, where they, they can make the greatest impact, what they're passionate about doing. You know, I, I train clients across a general population spectrum from young athletes to some older adults. And again, Larry is just one of my older adults and he's a joy. And well, let's, let's let you share why older adults are a great population for trainers to work with and why it's important coming out of the last year to focus in that space and, you know, we'll just let you go wherever you want with this, some tools or philosophy behind being a better coach to serve that demographic. Well, first thing, Larry, as soon as you, you were texting me about getting on here and you're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta train Larry first before. And as soon as I saw that, I saw him in my head and like part of, Part of our relationship as trainers is people start to get to know our clients via our, our posts and our highlights. And I love it that you always, you know, you or not always, but often tag me in his post when he gets a new lift or something, because I'm I'm proud of you for the way that you coach him and progress him and the efforts you put in to keep him strong. And that leads into your question of what should be people being focused on coming out of this. I put up a post, I think it's been my most popular post ever that I've put up about a recent study that was done from uh, May into June and uh, of 2020. And so what had occurred was 
It was a retirement home. They had about 40, 70 to 79 year old individuals that they put in this group. They all had uh, step count pedometers on them. Prior to this, they were averaging 6,000 steps a day. The pandemic hits, their facility has COVID tests in it. So they have to go on a lockdown for 14 days. Nobody can go anywhere. Their average step count drops to 1500. So 75% decrease. Their strength outputs that they tested with their strength coach and their, their people in their facility, all their strength percentages and their strength outputs dropped by 4%, or excuse me, by 8%. And their overall uh, fat-free body mass decreased by 4%. So they shrunk big time. We're talking about early onset of atrophy to true atrophy to early onset sarcopenia. We've actually shrunk the muscle to the point where the function of its ability has been decreased. Cannot produce strength like it did before. Definitely cannot produce power like it did before. And this was after 14 days. For the next two weeks, once they reopened and allowed everybody back to the weight room, they tried their best to get everyone back to where they were in 14 days and failed miserably, they said. So the point was, when we take breaks in these, these bouts of time where we're off for 14 days or so, the body becomes very vulnerable to losing its muscle mass. And in the lapsed time to build it back takes twofold, maybe even threefold to get back to where we were. So at the time that I posted this, it had been 309 days since we've been closed in the state of California. So think of all the trainers out there working with their clients, all the individuals that were going to the gym that have not that exceeded their 14 days and they're now seven and a half months or eight months, whatever it's now, imagine where we're at with that. So all you trainers out there and you folks out there are thinking, are we gonna come back? Are we gonna, well, I'll tell you one thing, you got a fuckload of business sitting out there waiting for you. You got people that need you bad. They need you bad. And if, if you're able to position yourself in front of them and let them know that you, you've got the goods, you've got the skills that will help them come back when you have and the ability and you have the strength and then over these nine ten months you've lost it you see yourself weakening people want to get back into shape through those seven shutdowns that we had every time we got to reopen we actually had a boost in business the last one we had a 14 percent increase in two weeks john and i both had four or five new clients i mean we had people who were dying to get back in so Yes, you're going to have a great opportunity. Yes, you've got people that really are going to need your help and um, not only mentally, but but physically. Uh, there were great, there's great research to, to support the, the physical loss, but also the cognitive component to this and the mental well-being, the state of mind, moods, the social environments, you know, especially older populations. They go to the grocery store, they go home and they go to their gym environment and uh, they don't have work. You know, they don't have a social place to get to hang out with people. The gym in many cases is it. So now that's been removed, right? So we try our best to connect with people online, but people will return to in-person. They will want that, they will need it, and you're gonna be there. We had, as our buddy Jonathan Goodman put out, and he's doing great, great research. The only reason our industry has any numbers to support is thanks to him, 480,000 fitness professionals are out of, out of work. Um, you look at, as far as, I know for the US, we had 280,000 reported personal trainers via the IRS in 2019, and another 400,000 fitness instructors 
you know, uh, group exercise instructors, something along those lines. So you're looking at 700,000 people, maybe a little more, and we just lost 480. I mean, two thirds of the field's gone. So only the strong are surviving. And if they're gonna come back, all those folks want someone to work with, we're here. I just read Dean Somerset just wrote an article today and it was related to, you know, coming back out the other side of this and, and managing mm -hmm. And he did mention in there that he does believe that group exercise will be slower to return. And I think we have to consider that to be the reality. Yeah. I mean, he said that you probably won't see group fitness take off until you start seeing people going to larger events like concerts and, and sports events, which yeah. will eventually come. So there is the opportunity within, you know, individualized training. And I've always been a big, you know, one-on-one -on -one type trainer when the industry was sort of getting excited about, um, fuck was I, my brain is not functioning remember the word uh, semi-private thank you where you have like three or four people in the same space you're running around between them they're all doing different programs and the thought of doing that i'm just like no nah. like that's i understand the financial incentive to do it but to me it sounds like overwhelmingly mentally and physically tiring just to run between groups after groups after groups without the individualized attention and relationship that i think we often thrive on so i think you know i know you have traditionally had a model where you have a number of people on the same thing, but they're all doing something that's more or less together. So there's a sense of group and community where semi-private, it's still kind of individualized depending on how you conduct it. But I digress. I think one of the most important things in all this, you mentioned, first of all, the mental health aspect of it. And you mentioned that people will come back. People, humans are by and large social creatures, aside from the introverts who like being invited to things just so they can say no to everything. The, the human population likes being around other people and the strength of your relationships is probably one of the reasons why anyone listening here is, is still in the game, both because you enjoy it, but those relationships are what keeps clients coming back to you. So people will crave that. They're going to want to be in that environment. I remember when we reopened after our first lockdown. So I, like you, pivoted. Um, I set up a home gym as quickly as I could. I worked out of it the entire time, had access to a little over half my clientele, but most of the rest surged back when the gyms reopened and I had a big surge in new business. Great. Had an amazing year. Right. I just have two inquiries today about training with me and we're still in a lockdown. I'm able to train out of my home. So that's been okay. Been managing fine. But one of the most important things in all this stuff is the demographic of older adults on average has more financial resources to pay you to train with you, right? So, I mean, I have Larry who's 70 and I have another retiree, Neil, who's 70 as well. And Neil's a retired lawyer. And guess what? They've managed and set themselves up to the point where they can very comfortably come and see me multiple times a week. They prefer to have my company interact with me and make sure that they're you know safe and consistent and accountable. They like that, right? You know, your average 22 year old client probably can't train with you multiple times a week you know, for, for years on end. So, and, and a lot of us, you know, bleeding hearts want to like help people and, and all that good stuff. And sure, that's a part of the stuff. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with being financially stable, secure as we work within our business. And there's no pension plan with what we do. So we have to build and earn and, and save and set up our financial uh, well-being. So that way we're really well taken care of long-term as well, right? So there, there's nothing dishonorable about charging your worth and attracting clientele that are able to pay what you're worth, okay? So you can figure out ways to give back to the community and, and do other things, but, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's charitable or pro bono or like stuff, people who are vulnerable, 
But ultimately, you are best off focusing in demographics that you will provide the greatest benefit and also who have the financial resources to pay you what you're worth. And older adults are the best example of that. I agree 100%. Yeah, there's, uh, there's very good research to support that as well. Um, 60, 60 to 79, I think, is the, um, the, the biggest demographic in our market that has um, recreational funding available is how they kind of rate that, that they will invest into their health hundreds of dollars. You know, I have clients that spend 600 a month to train with me. I have clients that spend 200 a month to train with me. But you got to come twice a week. You got to give me your all when you're here. You know, we're not doing arms and, and legs day. I'm training you full body. Like the the bodybuilder program design is called that because it's for bodybuilding. And when we're looking at a functional approach for older populations, I got to train their full body every day because that's how they're using it, right? You and I are talking about, I'm trying to get some bigger arms on me to match my thighs. And so I'm going to have a day or two a week where I'm just going to do my arms, but that's that's the the target and the design of what I'm creating. I get clients to come in that can't perform the ADLs. They can't bathe themselves, dress themselves, move and carry groceries, get up and down off the floor. You know, they can't articulate their hands well. They have arthritis. They have neuropathy. They have sarcopenia. They have osteoporosis. They have osteoarthritis. They have high cholesterol, you name it, check, 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 check. Arm day isn't cutting it for them, right? So we need to be able to train that functional ability and that functional path. And when you learn how to design programming that way, when you learn very specific techniques on how to develop and train someone who can't sit to parallel and get up, they just can't do it. So how do you get them there? There's no chance they get on the floor, they're getting up on their own. How do you coach them from that? Their arms are frozen, they can't get their arms over their head. How do you, when you learn all those things, you absolutely charge what you are worth because you have now developed a new skill set and you're able to work with a demographic that most trainers can't. Most of them are very nervous and very scared to work with older pops. They don't know what to do with them and they're afraid they're going to hurt them. So they end up doing the machines or they end up sitting them down and doing stuff. And where do they spend most of their day? Sitting down doing stuff. So it's like we, we have to train. We're, we have a new term that we've incorporated in long term functional development you know, LTAD, long-term athletic development. Buddy, Rick Howard and I, Rick Howard works with the NSCA. He's also a professor on the East Coast at like four different colleges. He's one of the smartest guys. He's a strong man, literally does strong man. He's a great dude. And uh, he's the, the chairman of the special interest group for the LTAD program. And he called me and he goes, hey, uh, we were looking at this model and we have this long-term athletic development where everybody feels like it ends at 24 whenever you graduate college. And if you get to go into the pros, maybe it lasts until 30 or 35. If you're Tom Brady, it's 45 or whatnot. And then, and then that's it for athleticism. And he's like, you got, you're halfway, you got another 45 years to go. Why can we, why do we have to stop being athletic? And so um, I'm, I get to help him kind of develop the other end of this, the full long-term, long-term athletic development transitions from athletic development to functional development on the other end, keeping functional, keeping independent. You know, those are the big fears. I don't want to fall. I don't want to have someone else take care of me. I don't want to lose my independence. I want to keep thriving and doing things on my own. And it's a difficult demographic to work with in terms that 
you got to show that what they're investing is paying off, that it's working. And if you don't know how to do it, you're just spinning wheels and hurting your reputation, right? But when you learn how to do it right and you really truly get to affect people in a positive way, change their life, change their quality of life and prove that, there's no better feeling in my opinion. And I've, and I've been in those situations. I've been there where someone else had to take care of me. So to get out of that and to help others, it's fantastic. But I'm very long answer to your comment is when you have that skill set, you absolutely have to charge for it. And when we got a lot of people who have either gotten sick and now they've seen the light, you know, they almost went into it and now they're like, God, I got to make changes here. Something's got to change. I got to get, I got to get strong. I got to get, you know, if this comes around again, I don't want to get, I don't want to get taken, you know, and they're ready. They're, they're ready to commit. You got to be prepped for that. You had something very important there and you're going to see that across you know, all the general population, right? Uh, especially people who are, you know, quote, you know, obese or certainly having a bit more weight or they've been trending in an quote, unhealthy direction and the last year of relative inactivity and being a few pounds, there's gonna be a lot of motivated people out there. Now there will be people who will never leave their house again. There will be yeah. some of those. There will oh. be people who will be fully encased in these bubble, you know, dome things that you see on social media. There will be that little part of the population. They are gonna live terrified of everything, but they're not the ones who are probably going to be able to help. The people we're going to help are the ones who realize, okay, well, you know, this sucked. This last year, it'll probably be a year and a half before we really are back to some true sem semblance of normalcy. You know, you get walk around in public and see unmasked faces again. And people are going to be craving that. So the demand will be there. I'm not even worried about that. Now, you, you're also someone who deals with you know, a lot of people in various different stages of ability, you know, like physical decline, sure. Um, you made me think of a uh, one of the trainers who's doing my mentorship. Her name is uh, Frankie Perizola. And I told Frankie to actually follow you, Robert. Uh, but Frankie has what's called, oh God, I'm trying to, Friedrich's ataxia, right? So that's a, I, I don't think I could do it justice to explain but it's a you know a degenerative muscular disorder where you basically lose a lot of you know motor function where mm. people are often confined to wheelchairs and whatnot and you know earlier on in life right so think of it as it's it's not a, it exactly like uh, multiple sclerosis but it's definitely like multiple sclerosis on super steroids in terms of what it will ultimately do wow. but Frankie's got a great attitude and she focuses on educating and coaching people with, you know, similar disorders or other motor issues that result in decline over time. She's very, very smart and skilled in that realm. And she also does focus on older adults because older adults kind of fall under that same sort of heading. Sure. And these people are out there. So you can have those specialized skills, highly specialized skills. Something that overlaps with it too would be areas where like someone like a Dean Somerset would be very skilled where you know you deal with people who have you know, lower back issues hip issues whatever like injuries like you've yourself accumulated some pretty significant injuries over time you've had both hips replaced right you had a lung removed there's there's a bunch of stuff in there right so and if anybody wants to get into more of that stuff i know we talked a bit more about that uh, when you were on when uh, when you used to co-host with me but uh, actually i guess his wife is going to be induced there the baby is Overdue and will be induced this weekend. If all right, congratulations, my man. With that, right? That's cool. Good for him. But okay, so 
I'll bring this all back together because I'm rambling a little bit. I had too much coffee. There are going to be older adults who are very, very capable, move extremely well. I'm kind of lucky in that. Larry and my other client, Neil, very much in that boat. They almost no limitations. And, and if anyone's seen Larry lift, Larry outlifts most of you guys listening, right? The, the shit that he could do is pretty ridiculous. Larry Strong. But within those age groups and categories, you're also going to see a lot of people who have uh, various different you know, issues. They're, they're still fairly capable. They're still fairly resilient. And they will remain resilient and get stronger if you do smart, basic stuff, get them moving around on the ground, basic movement patterns, learn their individual issues, injuries, limitations, just like you would with any other client that's a skill set you should have established. But if you want to dive more into this stuff, this is why I bring you on here. I want them to plug into your work because you have then specialized advanced knowledge in that realm. But you also don't need to have all of that specialized knowledge to start and to work with people in that population. If you then realize, okay, you're banging up against your limits here and you've got clientele who have needs beyond your current skill set, well, you don't have to hand those clients off. You should expand that skill set. And then, then you can turn around and market yourself as someone with that. So that's why I really encourage people to check out more of the stuff you're doing, you know, contact you, reach out directly, message you and, and begin that process. But it doesn't mean that someone has to have the ability to deal with someone in advanced stages of arthritis or incredibly limited or or any of these more extreme things that I know you have a lot of experience with before you can take on a client who's 65 years old, who still moves really well. And, you know, like, again, like my guys, like Larry and Neil, they both squat really bloody well. They both squat two parallel with straight spines. They move great. And not everybody retains that, but a lot of people do. So I also don't treat them like they're broken or dysfunctional. They like lifting as heavy as they can go, Larry especially. And, and he has a lot of fun with it. And he'd be really fucking pissed off at me if I ever went easy on him. Well, there's, there's biological aging and there's chronological aging, right? And, and so we need to look at everybody biologically and just stop looking at these numbers that go next to the name. Because, yeah, Larry would... If, if you took Larry in and you're like, oh, you're, how old is he? 71? He's, he's 70. 70. So you plug him into silver sneakers. He's going to, he's going to laugh at you. Right. And you're like, what are we, what are we doing here? Where you're going to have other individuals that come into silver sneakers and go, this is hard, right? It's a biological skill. It's a biological ability of where you're at. And I'm not dissing silver sneakers. It's just a different level. It's a different focus of where we're at. So you're, you're completely right. You, you need to look at movement patterns and break, break them down as components. We hinge, we, we squat, we push, we pull, we reach, we, we, we contralateral, we ipsilateral, right? We, uh, we twist, uh, we get up and down off the floor. There's your training program. You know, you pick one of each of those, train it every day. It doesn't have to be fancy. Where, where some of the more specific skills come in is when you have people that have um decreased ranges of motion decreased function and you're like well how do i get it back that's where some continued education comes in because you don't know the tools you don't know the progressions or the ways and if we can't the way that i like to look at it is like if i can't get someone to squat to parallel how if they're stable enough and they're and they're able but as soon as we try to do that function they can't perform it how are we ever going to do that without doing it, right? So 
we basically reduced ourselves down to a body weight squat and we can't reduce it anymore or can we can we deload people absolutely you know you, you band them up you give them some supports you give them some stabilities and and you allow them to get lighter and you train that range so now they can actually do it it's just with less than their body weight right and there's there's techniques to this it's it's overloading underloading high banding low banding i mean there's there are great techniques to help people there but in the very beginning you got to just get people going get them moving you don't need to overthink it you need to be safe understand that the adaptation phase is probably going to be twice as long as somebody in their 20s and 30s so take it easy you know their rpe is going to be uh, four or five points you know higher their their delayed onset of muscle soreness is going to be less delayed and a little bit more violent right <laughs> like there are little things that you're going to need to you're going to need to understand the next day they're going to be mad at you because they can't touch the toes because their hammies are so tight like that kind of stuff you know, we have we have these grace periods and they're just longer with the older adult because the system is on a slight decline. But the more that we do to help, we're we're flattening that curve a little bit. It's always going to be going downhill. We can't fix that yet. Uh, we just don't want it to be so dramatic. Right. So I, I completely agree with you. You guys shouldn't be concerned or afraid to work with older pops. Just know you got to back off a little bit and if you do need direction myself there's a lot of other great trainers out there too that work with older populations uh but i'm i'm always happy and available uh to assist people if you ever need it and let's just think about some of the basics of training that would apply very very well to older adults i mean two of my favorite things are farmers carries and sled pushing right which i have access to at evolve not so much in my home facility but I mean, if someone can't push a sled, we got some problems. They're probably not even suited to be in a gym and, and we they just have, they're way bigger concerns. Like sled pushing, really, really low impact, really, really high value in terms of strength. Um, you know, each individual like has to work on its own. It's very, very quote functional, great for cardiovascular stamina building. And then farmers carries. That's still a pretty practical thing. It's very easy to scale. You know, you can start out with someone very, very light if that's all they're capable of doing. And, you know, you scale them up if they're really strong. Larry loves it. We load him up pretty heavy and he's pretty sturdy. But for other people, yeah, you know, you just start them out somewhere where they just like, maybe it's a pretty light kettlebell in one or both hands and you see how they do with it. And, and for the most part, I find people really like that stuff too. So they want to return to it. They're tired when they're done it. And it's, there's not a lot of people that can't do a landmine press. Maybe straight overhead for a lot of older adults might be a concern. You know, rotator cuff issues are more prevalent as, as we age. But landmine pressing usually is pretty safe. Okay, you know, you get a, maybe a smaller woman who's not strong enough to do it at the bar with one hand. Cool. Yeah. Put two hands around the bar, unloaded bar, great place to start. Okay. And, you know, worried about kneeling or, you know, different positions. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, you can I definitely get them set up in a kneeling position, but I just like standing up with a landmine and go from there, right? That's the, the less, least aggressive angle for it. Okay, most people can sit down on a seated cable row or a pull down. And yes, like you said, we don't want to have them doing nothing but sitting down. But these are good ways that they can learn horizontal and pulling patterns. Most Absolutely. people can row on a TRX. There's no problem there. You know, do we put them under a barbell and let them bench press? Probably not. But, you know, some, some of them like that stuff. Most basic dumbbell work usually works pretty well for them, too. You have a really cool assortment of stuff. And then you can get down on the ground dead bugs and, and planks and various other things that you know crawls most people can manage a crawl yeah. and we, we don't even think about getting them to do that sort of stuff like you said you know the trainers are often afraid and they will 
sit them down and put them on stuff like machines when in fact get them down to the fucking ground right because they better be pretty good at getting up and down there you know again full uh, full resiliency right but anyway we're kind of re- i'm repeating stuff you said before but again there's just all these really fun basic useful things that you can do with almost anybody in any stage of ability right if someone can't push a sled an unloaded sled i, I think we're probably in a fair bit of trouble yeah i would agree i would agree and I love everything you just said. Those are all um, pieces and components that I love to work with. And the best part of it is it's all it's all got a functionality to it. Like our industry is kind of bastardized that word. And when I when I look at function, I'm thinking of its application to real life. And you exactly you know you look at exactly what we do through our days. We pick things up all day long. We move them somewhere else and. We take them off the ground, we put them up over here and then, you know, we go and we sit down and then we stand up and then, you know, we we're doing these actions that are simulating a lot of those movements that we just went through. And we want to create a change. We simulate those movements, but we produce an overload to it. So the body will adapt. There's your said principle. Next thing you know, they're getting stronger and they're getting better. And now the things that weren't so hard to them before are a whole lot easier, but yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I love the, um, even in smaller spaces and in areas, you can create a lot of opportunity like that. I saw somebody doing a sled push, like four steps, because they didn't have a lot of room, but the sled was hooked to two rubber bands. And so they would push it and then they would backpedal and they would push, push, push it and then backpedal and push, push, push it. And you saw a guy went like four times and he was toast, you know, but he was only moving like eight, eight feet, 10 feet. I mean, you can create a lot of that stuff in small spaces. This is my 400 square foot space. I do have access to go outside and go out into my yard. I got about an acre of property out here that we can move around and we can throw things, but we toss stuff, we slam things, we we heave things, we carry them. You know, I've got tons of lever arms. You're completely right. Leverage ability, people's ability to lever a lever is great. It's twice as good as if it was just a single lever you. So there's awesome opportunities from from deadlift variations and rowing movement patterns to pressing horizontally and then eventually overhead. I'm actually doing a webinar. I don't know when this airs, but I'm, I'm doing a webinar. Uh, <laughs> okay, so it is it is Tuesday at 1130 uh, and it's free. And it's, you can sign up for it from our website or from my social media. And it's um, I'm partnered with uh, On Target Publications, the, uh, the publishing company uh, that uh, Dave Draper and Lori uh, Draper own, and, and they work with Dan John and produce all his books. Um, they gave me an opportunity to do a webinar with them, and it's on movement patterns for the aging athlete, not just the older adult, but the aging athlete. You want to keep doing dynamic and athletic and cool shit, but I want to find and teach you a way to do it that um will reduce the higher impacts or the risk chances four out of my six suggestions are lever based and they're and they're really great i'm going to show you from beginning to end and if you guys miss it because you're watching this you can still sign up for it it'll be available for the rest of the week and watch the recording for it and we have over 400 people already signed up for it i'm i'm super excited about that and um it should be a, a um like a, a mind sparking opportunity uh, where you see something and you're like, I can do something like that here. That's the whole idea. You don't have to do it exactly like this, right? But to give you an idea of how you can use some of this stuff with your people because um, simple, simple produces really good results. But when you can just modify it 
or critique it or mold it just a little bit so you're not avoiding it being uncomfortable for a client you're actually aiding it to be better for them so it won't be so uncomfortable you know that's that's a thing i gotta hurt back well let's avoid that back then let's do everything else you're creating a bigger gap you're doing them an injustice by forgetting the back let's leave it alone we need to work with that limitation so let me just find a slightly different way how can i adjust this where you can push the sled how can i manipulate this weight where you can lever this landmine or you can pivot point and push this thing overhead like those are those are the expertise of the art components that come into being a trainer where you personalize it for that person and the next thing you know they've made that next level of ability you're you're now delivering a function in a level that is that is a, above any service they could ask for it truly is life altering and when you see that occur with somebody i tell you it's addicting like i just want to keep helping people get better it's it's super cool one of the other most important components of helping people get better is actually reaching them and having them find you so mm. i think that's probably something else that trainers are struggling with a little bit and i'll throw this out there too because obviously anyone listening to the first week uh jonathan goodman um is offering his getting clients and referrals book free on amazon the ebook version. so it's up on my social media so you know as long as you catch this episode the first week it's released, I think it's available kind of, you know, you'll, you're hearing this on a Tuesday if you got it day one up until mm -hmm. Friday. And I've got a nine page section of that book that John asked me to contribute to it. I love the book. I recently just reread it because I wanted the stuff in there top of mind, you know, with the disruption and everything in the second shutdown on Christmas. I just like having certain concepts top of mind so that way they're always ever present. They always just sort of seem to manifest through, you know, my actions, the way I interact with the world. But we want to give trainers the tools to reach these populations. So obviously if we're thinking older adults and this doesn't mean like 75 plus, I mean, you tend to kind of consider it almost like roughly like in that 55 plus range. So in a lot of trainers now are, you know, big into Instagram, which, you know, we've talked about me being very present on, and there are some definitely some older adults in the Instagram space, but what have you found or what do you believe would be the best ways for trainers to you know, market to these clientele? Because I know you never really set about, you know, building a huge Instagram client, uh, following. No, I actually have a bigger following. I'm at about 2000 people right now on Instagram, but I've only been on Instagram for maybe a year. Uh, and the majority of the people that follow me on there are other trainers where uh, I have more general population um, and maybe 8000 people or so on Facebook. And Facebook's definitely been a better, um, I guess I've, I'd say avenue for me uh, to, to seek out new business. And really the best way that we do that is we highlight our current clientele. I would say that's the most beneficial thing that we do from a marketing standpoint, is I say, guys, here's Andrew. When I started with him, he needed a knee replacement. He couldn't touch his toes. He couldn't sit to parallel. He couldn't do this. Um, the surgery, here's video of him afterwards, you know, a little bit better, still stiff, still a little, little pain. Six months later, here he is now, check him out. And we show these videos and these progressions and the postural changes, the personality, the, the change in the face and the presence, and then their ability to pick stuff up off the ground and squat and reach and press. And we just highlight their success and hit post. And there's nothing about you could do it too and 30% off and you got to act now. And by the end, first five, we don't do any of that. We, we just highlight it and, uh, and we tag the client in there. 
And in most cases, they're going to have someone in their circle. We call it the reach of three friends, family, and colleagues, you know, they work with somewhere in that reach of three, someone's going to have a bad knee, have a, a bad back, have something that when we painted the picture of, of Andrew being a little bit unhappy and miserable and pre-surgery, they're like, that's where I'm at. And, but look where Andrew went, right? I want to do that. I want to be. And so you'll see comments like, man, I need to do that. Or Andrew, that's so great. I wish I could do it. That's, that's a little, that's a little help me, you know, that's a little cry right there. And so I'll message and just be like, Hey, I'm, you know, I don't mean to be, you know, DMing you here and trying to, trying to stir up business, but I saw your message and I just want you to know, like, this is what I do. I am more than happy to assist if, if, you know, you, you know, if you need it, we do a free consultation and just kind of outline things a little. And I just say, if you're interested, great. If not, no worries. I don't want to be pushy. I want my product to speak for itself. I don't, I don't need to sit there and brag about it or try to convince or talk people into it. And if they have any concerns, my, our first sit down is free. And I'm okay with that. I know there's so many business coaches out there. You got to get paid for every minute. And like, I don't think so. You know, we, Keeg was, my wife was watching this thing and she's like, would you buy a car that you don't get to test drive? Like they're showing these commercials, right? Where they're like, we got a new way how you buy a car. You get to keep it for 24 hours. That's still a sample. Even though I may have, you know, signed the dotted line that it's mine, I could still return it in 24 hours. That's still a demo. That's a sample, right? People need to sample what you do before they say, yeah, here's 600 bucks. Here's 400 bucks, whatever it is. They want to come in and see it. Am I going to like you? Do you know what you're talking about? Do I feel confident you know what to do with someone who needs a knee replacement? You know what I mean? I, I think so because I saw it online, but I want to make sure this works. And we're doing the same thing. You know, client coming in might be an asshole and you sit down and you're like, this isn't going to work. They might be the coolest person ever. And you're like, absolutely. And, and nine times out of 10, if they're referred or if they're led in by one of your current clients, they're probably going to be pretty cool rarely are they complete opposite and you're like oh why did you send this guy you know what i mean it does happen but the majority of the time you know they they don't want to muddy up waters that they live in they don't bring bad attitudes and bad energy into their gym into their trainer's life they want to surround you who they love with with someone who's uh gonna contribute and and help enrich so i think i call that a referral generation not a lead generation i don't want leads I want referrals. I want opportunities for my clients to reach out to their people more than just, Hey, you can refer someone at any time. Great. You know, let's have an event. Let's have a social media post. Let's have a discussion. Let's have something that, you know, an educational, a little 30 minute webinar on lower back care and keeping you from throwing your back out. And you post that and tag all your clients in it. Everyone's hurt their back. Everyone's thrown their back out. Right. And you're teaching and helping your clients not do that. That connects with people. Those are, are, are referral generating opportunities. You can do it through social media. You can do it through emails, however you want to do it. But I, I think that's probably, in my opinion, the best, the best way to reach. And when you talk to other experts, 90% of the time, they're like, yeah, it's word of mouth referral generation. Right. And, you know, but we spend all this money on all these marketing campaigns. It's kind of silly. And this stuff works. So what yeah. you described is how I've, you know, basically been busy through all my social media for a decade by posting, you know, early on in my career, I posted a lot more like um, client videos lifting on Facebook. I do less of that now. You get a bit of that on my Instagram. 
but that was really, really effective. And I used the phrase earlier, and I'll say it again, is top of mind marketing. So there's one of two kind of marketing principles. Uh, Jonathan Goodman actually writes about it in the book that I mentioned. So it, it's one of the things that he also talks about in his online trainer academy course too, which is, I'll, I'll plug it because it's good. I've done it. I really liked it a lot, right? Because obviously online training is pretty relevant right now. But it's not, it's, and then it, the other principle is, that ties in is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about jab, 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 right hook. And mm -hmm. I've always believed in a ton of jabs, which is where you just put out free information, free content, helpful stuff. The right hook is asking for the sale. Well, I rarely ask for the sale on my media. Every mm -hmm. once in a while, I'll throw it out there and be like, hey, I'm, I am taking on clients. I have that you know ability, blah, blah, blah. But if you do the hooks so infrequently and you throw a mountain of jabs, then you've earned the right to very easily slap in a hook here and there without anybody being annoyed. If you are on an email list and every single email is buy my program, buy my program, you get kind of turned off by that stuff pretty quickly. If everybody's media is always asking for the buy, then you just kind of put that aside. It, it, it's too much pressure. It's, it's annoying, right? So I don't like that particular approach. Again, like you said, there will be some of those business guru types who will tell you that um, and they will tell you have to constantly ask for the business. Well, I think that top of mind marketing, just constantly putting up really great information will endear you to people. You'll be the person. This is something I've said for a very long time. You want to establish yourself as the go-to fitness professional in your general population followings minds. Your personal relationships, the people that you used to work with in old jobs, people you went to school with, that network that's on your Facebook as friends that follows you on Instagram, they, those people overwhelmingly are not following the really well-known names of our industry. They may may follow one or two other like, sort of noteworthy people, right? But you're the person that they know who is sharing that fitness and nutrition information. And when that time comes when they realize they have a problem, You've been there showcasing the solution for a very long time, and you should be the person that they reach out to or the person that they refer a family member or a coworker to, just like you said. And this stuff works. I've seen it work for a very long time. The problem with it is, is that you can't just put it into practice on day one and expect anything. You do need to be patient and you need, do need to commit to doing this for the long run as the way you present your media. And you need to just trust the process that over the long run, it will average out to, to help you. If you need eight clients tomorrow to pay your mortgage, you're probably in trouble, but you gotta ask yourself what happened to put you in that position? Barring this year with COVID and everything that happened, I mean, a lot of people just got pushed in, into bad spots, right? But uh, I'm kind of hoping everybody listening here has been really aggressively working to pivot, refine their businesses, explore new opportunities and, and survive it and thrive. I agree. All right, so I guess one last interesting thought that I've never talked about on here before, but again, considering the restrictions in California, and I don't want to make this one political per se, because I always avoid this stuff, but you know, we are seeing trainers moving. We're seeing trainers move from you know province to province. We're seeing you know from state to state. I've got a friend who's you know a couple of friends who are talking about going down to Florida. Now, Florida is one of the places with you know what like no state taxes they've had the loosest restrictions and then COVID hasn't even all been very very serious down there whereas california has kind of notably been one of the places that has gotten hit the hardest that we see brett Contreras on his social media pack up his gym openly complain about the taxes and, and the, the difficulties getting business permits and all this sort of stuff and just saying screw this and he moved off to vegas right yeah. 
So not everybody has the luxury. You have roots there. You have your family there. You have the, have your home there. So do you have any thoughts about anything along those lines in terms of like the fact that did you did you at any point consider taking the family and, and moving them out of state or or, or what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we and we we still kind of do have a little mindset to that. The the beauty, I guess, where we're at is our previous gym was in Sacramento County. Where our home is is in El Dorado County. El Dorado County, when you look at um I would say business friendly COVID restrictions is in the top five in the nation. And they were literally right next to each other. We live in this completely different world. You, and, and it's, and it, you, you go around here and everyone wears masks, but all the businesses are open. Everybody's doing it even against state orders. The second it came out, Newsom said this and this and this, our sheriff would come out on social media. I'm, I'm not enforcing that. Keep your businesses open. I mean, it was just right in the face. And so, the businesses that were here, they weren't as affected. They were they were shut down for two months, maybe three for some, and then they've been open since. And so it's been a lot uh, better pending the county that you're in and in the involvement. So I guess I would say if you like, I really got to stay in California or in, in some of these other states that are more governed, see if you can find some different counties to work in or we were very uh, in touch with our county. They all knew my name and they knew my business name. You know, it event ultimately did not work out uh, all that well, but we got a lot of things done. We probably wouldn't have been open nearly as much as we were had we not been so involved, been so boisterous, you know, insisting on inspections. Like we wanted inspections. We were begging for them to come out and inspect us see our UV lighting, see our, our alcohol dispensing gun that we have that we spray everything with, like see how we've got everybody separated out, how none of us share equipment. Like we wanted everyone to come. We wanted that stamp on the window that was like, you guys are doing shit right, right? And, and like, let us be the poster child, Jim. And so we got that opportunity quite a few times. Um, ultimately, it came down to the point where it was just, you know, the governor said, it's all got to stop. And, and county restriction came down. So I guess advice wise, yeah, if, if you have the opportunity, especially if you've moved your business online and you have the opportunity to move, Texas doesn't look bad. Idaho doesn't look bad. Like, you know, Canada doesn't look bad. Like there's lots of other options and some other things to do, then I would say go for it. I, I don't I don't know. I, I know I will never open an, a, another business in Sacramento County. I can tell you that. Uh, that was extremely difficult, and I, I will not return there. And this California is a tough state to be in, bro. Yeah, this stuff's relevant, and I think this is an important conversation that maybe people don't have about because the playing field is not level. And going no. forward, if you're thinking about no. you know, opening a physical facility, there will be opportunities. You kind of have to know, unfortunately, the politics of your where you are. Um, and Canada, not bad, depends on where you are. Ontario has been way more drastic and aggressive with its lockdowns. Mm -hmm yet they've had the worst of the spread there. Same thing with Quebec. I mean, and I don't want to get into a, a debate about lockdown per se. I am someone who fundamentally believes in, you know, that, that someone's livelihood is is important and in taking away from them uh, without evidence to support the shutting down of everything, which none of the, the people making these decisions have been able to present that gyms are, are, are fundamentally unsafe. Then 
yeah, sorry, lost my train of thought, but with Canada at the very least, Alberta's not too bad. Like people will complain about various aspects of how the governments run things, but in terms of like trying to support businesses, they've actually done one of the better jobs. Unfortunately, right now the gyms are arbitrarily just being kept closed as most everything else is open. And another thing that I, I've tried to say on social media, and I really think trainers should grab onto this, don't throw anyone else under the bat, the bus within our industry or in any other industry, you know, really? as, as our facilities are closed. You know, recently, and, and maybe some of them will listen, I saw a bunch of people I know were complaining that trainers were allowed to go into homes and train people, but one-on-one -on -one training in bigger studios wasn't. And, and a lot of these trainers that I like and respect, and a few I don't, were complaining about how that was unsafe and it's like you're not getting any traction making things better by throwing other fitness professionals who are in just the same dire straits as you are under the bus and i don't like this idea of people are complaining because our casinos were allowed to be open well that's a straw man because the table games were closed the slot machines are open people are wearing masks there's physical dividers and there's still people working in casinos. And again, the table game people. I used to work at a casino. I was a professional poker dealer well over a decade ago, a manager in a poker room, something that I spent almost four years doing. And I still work with clients today, multiple clients. And I have many over the years that I have relationships with because of being in that world too. And I don't think it's fair to take any industry, especially if you don't fully understand the environment of it, and to complain about it. You know, I've seen people more recently complaining about, you know, tattoo parlors or whatever. I know a lot of tattoo artists too, and you know, they've been hurt by this stuff. So I think let's get out of the habit of, you know, as we try to explain how safe we can do our job, not making other industries or parts of our own industry look and sound unsafe. I don't think that's the answer. And I think complaining on social media is a complete waste of fucking time anyway, like you said talk to the governing officials, develop those relationships. My friends, uh, Colin and Allie DeWolf, they're down in uh, Medicine Hat. And I know they, I think, I know Allie listens to this for sure. Um, they've been talking with the, the, the their, I guess, local member of parliament. I can't remember the exact term here. And so they're just trying to do the best they can on that front. Another local trainer, gym owner, Jordan Jeske, has been talking to officials in the government and doing the best he can. So yeah. that's the stuff that's going to be constructive. So I, I really do think we have to focus our energies carefully. And I think just getting into that echo chamber of negativity on social media isn't the answer. Um, I don't think it fixes anything. So I completely agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Back to I'm the whole idea of, you know, moving different states or what have you. Yeah. Canada, I mean, Alberta seems to be one of the better ones in the grand scheme of things. BC has actually handled it quite well too. Um, Nova Scotia, I mean, oh, 12 cases, shut the gyms down. Like they've not really been, they've been a little overreactive with stuff too. So Canada's not been perfect by any means or, or safe from these decisions that, you know, can end up frustrating you. So there do seem to be like certain states in the U.S. that have handled it well. I get the impression Washington State seems to have been more evidence-based, and I see Luca Hosvar's place is always open. Uh, like you said, Florida seems to be good. Texas, for the most part, seems to be pretty good. Um, New York, early on, restricted things, but I think that the gyms are allowed to operate there. So New York has seemed to be a bit more evidence-based than everything. I know the, the Massachusetts gyms got shut down. So it, it varies state by state. So I think it's just something you have to kind of know the lay of the land if you want to operate or if, especially if you're planning on moving because I mean, this might be you know life or death for your business at some point god forbid that the vaccine i don't want to think of these terms but maybe the vaccine isn't as effective as possible maybe some new variant that like the uk variant everybody gets 
stressed out and the governments engage in more group thing. And instead of actually, you know, surgically dealing with this stuff, just decide that ah, let's lock everything down again. Right. Because they don't have a solution. Therefore we have to feel like we're acting and doing something, which is my opinion of what the lockdowns actually are. So let's move off of politics and remind everybody where they can find you to find out more about training older adults. Trainingtheolderadult.com. That's our website there. You'll see all our, our information. We actually have a brand new course that we're teaching coming up on February 9th that is specific to online training for the older adult. And we start from how to do the consultation and the assessment online to the equipment and the kit they might need and all the way through the training and give you about 60 different exercises you can perform with your clients, just bands based, let alone all the ones you can add on if they have dumbbells. Uh, and all the way through a 12 week training program, or excuse me, an eight week training program. So uh, we have that coming up. Um, I've got four or five other courses of full certification that we do the, the TOA method from start to finish. It's a massive course. It's really great though. Uh, some collective type stuff there. You can find me on Instagram. My name, Robert Linkle, same on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, I've got maybe a hundred videos or so on YouTube, tons of information on there. If you guys want, you know, some from beginner all the way up to some pretty advanced techniques of working with older populations and how to get up and down off the floor all the way to how to swing a kettlebell. So we've got them all on there. You guys feel free to check it out and always reach out. I'm more than happy to answer questions and point people in the right directions if I can. Back to the principle of top of mind. You know, sure. you may be listening and if you made it to the end of this, but go, okay, well, I'm not in a place right now with my clientele where I really want to do a deep dive into the more advanced stuff for older mm -hmm. adults. Well, I would say have Robert on your social media, right? Follow him on, on Facebook and, and Instagram because you'll see some of his stuff and maybe in the future you end up with a client referred to you who has these needs and all of a sudden you decide, I need to know more about this. So keep Robert top of mind for his skill set. This is one of the things I like the most is knowing who's out there in our space who has different skills and talents. So that way when I need to refer a trainer who's looking for resources, I have you know, this person to send them to. And I've put a lot of people on to you specifically for your skill set because you've yeah. done a good job of being an educator in that space. So um, you. you know, you're a very, very close friend through, through the grander either of things. And so I have easiest time supporting you. So anyone listening, I really hope you hear the way that I said that and, and go check out what Robert's doing. In the meantime, thank you again for tuning in and listening. I really appreciate the continued support. Um, as long as you're not in the middle of driving right now, you know, maybe consider taking the minute to give, you know, me a review on iTunes. That is very helpful. I appreciate it. You know, and maybe share this episode or, you know, an episode that you really enjoy with someone in your world that you believe would really like it. If you know a trainer who works with older adults, you know, make sure you share this episode specifically and Robert with that person. This is how we make our industry better by sharing and supporting each other. Outside of that, if you have questions specific, reach out to me on Instagram. That is where I'm most accessible. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, that's important to me. And uh, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan, I should have a great episode about you know marketing and business success with Jill Coleman. Should be the next one up. So don't hold me to it. But if scheduling works, we're golden. Thank you for tuning in, Robert. I really appreciate this. 